Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast of our Wednesday services. We are currently studying through the book of Exodus. Please open your Bibles to Exodus as we dive into our study this evening. I was at a pastor's conference one time. And uh, this guy, this guy was teaching and, and he had a church in like Oregon or something. And uh, he had started a brand new work. The Lord laid on his heart and he went and, you know, he opened up the doors and he, no one showed up. And he's like, Lord, you've laid it on my heart to open the doors. I'm going to open the doors. So he opened the doors. He set up the whole worship team, which was himself and his wife. And they, they said, Lord, you've asked us to play worship. So they played worship. And Lord, you've asked me to deliver a message. Um, and so I'm going to faithfully deliver a message. And this is, again, to just himself and his wife. And he faithfully delivered a 45-minute left message and said, Lord, uh, you've asked me to invite those to receive you. And I faithfully raised my hand. <laughs> All that to say, we may be few tonight, but the Lord is with us. Uh, Exodus chapter 23. It was a funny story. He was a funny guy. It was funny then. It made me laugh. I could imagine a guy to just, you know, raise his hand. It'd be funny. But Exodus chapter 23, we're, we're, we're continuing on in uh, receiving more instruction from the Lord to the judges. Uh, again, Moses had a band of men, and they were God-fearing men. And they were chosen to help him with the small disputes. Moses would be there overseeing the Ten Commandments, really making sure that it was being taken to the people and ushered forth. And they were receiving and they were obliging and they were understanding. And if there were questions about them, they'd go to Moses. But all the other little disputes that you just have on a day-to-day basis, they set these men up so that um, he wasn't just overwhelmed with everything. And we've read some interesting things, some disputes on if an oxen gores your neighbor and um, just real life uh, circumstances and situations that needed to be dealt with. The people needed a way. And so the Lord is laying it out. And we're picking up in chapter 23, um, continuing on in that. Uh, Let me pray real quick and then we'll dive in. Lord, we do thank you for this time to open your word. And we do ask that you would speak to us. You would share your word to our hearts where we're at tonight. Um, Lord, we thank you for the relationship you've given us, the invitation you've called us to, um, to your son, to you, Lord, to the Father. So we praise you for who you are and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. So keep in mind that this is to a bunch of judges that are, are going to be handling um, anything that would come their way. It's important that we keep that in mind. But also it's important to, to see how many times he says, you shall, you, you, you're, you. And I'm just like, you're, I know you're, you're taught, you're giving these to a group of men, but Lord, I can't help but to apply it to myself. You keep saying you, and I'm the only you in the room, so it must be me. And so I'm sitting here, and it's, it's me, and these things are for me. And, and the common theme that just coming up is, as I am yours, Lord. And he would say, you shall, or you shall. As I am yours, Lord, then you shall, or shall not. And so as we go through the text, just, as, just be thinking in your heart, like, as I'm yours, as I'm yours, as you've called me to be with you, to be in fellowship with you, to be in relationship with you, as I am yours and you are mine. Verse 1. You shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to the unrighteous to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. You shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. So verse number one, you shall not circulate a false report. This one, as I dove into it, is very difficult. I believe it's very difficult Probably for most people, you think you shouldn't circulate a false report. 
Okay, so he's talking to the judges. Hey, when something comes your way, you shall not circulate a false report. That word circulate in the Hebrew means to hold on to, to carry, to burden, to bear. We think of if, if, if you, someone comes to you and say, hey, don't circulate a false report. It's like, okay, so does that give me the, I mean, I could listen. I could listen. I won't circulate it. I won't, I won't share it with anybody. I won't send it all on its way. He's saying, no, it's deeper than that. Yes, of course, you're not to continue to spread it. That's, that just never ends up good. But also, I don't even want you to bear it. I don't want you to carry it. I don't want you to hear it. And so as these reports were being brought to these judges, they may or may not have been false. And they would have to test them. They would have to really investigate, dive in. Is this, is what you're bringing me true? Are you laying this accusation against this? Is it truly true? And it would be their responsibility to, dis, to, to have discernment, to have wisdom, and to, and to search and to seek and to, and to investigate. And then if you find out that it's not true, there's, there's not an, enough people, witnesses coming and bringing it. It's just this false report. It is your now responsibility to just shun it away. Just turn it down. I have a dog, okay? Many of you know that. His name's Graham. And I thought of Graham when I, when I was reading this. And I was thinking of when I eat at my, at my stool, at my counter. I sit on a stool. And it's like, when I'm eating, he can be very, very disobedient. He can come right up to me and just get his nose all of my food, and he really wants to partake in this food. I'm like, you are a bad dog. This is not yours to partake in. Okay, that's the first bad dog. And then you have like the kind of bad dog who like sits over there. And he's looking at me. You say, oh, I'm not looking at you. And then like you're eating again. He starts to go and you look at, oh, I'm not looking at you. And then you got the good dog who doesn't need to eat off your plate. I feel like there can be three hearts. The first heart is a false report is brought and you got that. Oh, man, give it to me. What is it? Give me the deeds. Give me that raw. D- yeah, what is it? Let me hear it. You know, it's just, your, you just I want to be a part of it. I want to know. I want to know. What do you got? You don't want to know. You don't, you don't want to have that. You don't want to be a part of that. Because as we know, and if we've ever experienced, when a false report is carried out, it, it destroys. It causes devastation. It, it breaks apart. It's lies. It's gossip. It's slander. Don't also be the guy who sits in the room. And I'm all three. I'm really just the first two. I'm really working on the, being the last good pup. But the second one, I, I know my heart. It's just like, oh, yeah, you don't have to tell me about that. I'm praying for you. But if you ever need to share it, go ahead and share it. I'll be here if you want to share it. I'm listening. I've got an open ear. Hey. Oh, you don't want to share it? Okay, I'll be praying for you. You should share it with me. No, I don't, you don't have to. And we find ourselves there just so intrigued about news, about the dirt, about the whatever. And, and if we don't get, and, and this is my own, just where I find myself, I get, I get, just, I get, I get hurt if I'm not invited in. Oh, I'm not in the inner circle. I must not be a part of the team. They must not trust me. And it's just all a bunch of lies from the enemy. So as you find yourself and someone brings you a report and it's not good, test it. Is this really true? Is this, is this, because you're sharing something with me right now, and it could be about your brother's donkey, okay? My brother's donkey, it's got a bad hoof, and it makes him smell funny. It's just, you know, it could be something. But if it's that of a serious, that people's character on the line, if people's livelihoods are on the line, don't just take it. Don't just hold on to it. Don't circulate a false report. It will never end up being good. Never. It says, do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute. So we shouldn't be taking our hand with the wicked and becoming an unrighteous witness. Now, not only do you, have you taken in the false report, because look at how it all just kind of sways into one another. You've taken the false report, kind of bought into it, you're kind of now a part of it, and now you have this beautiful, horrific opportunity to become an unrighteous witness. To now stand alongside of those who are falsely accusing or, or what have you, this false report, and now you're putting your hand with this wickedness, and you're now an unrighteous witness. You are partaking in the testimony. You're bearing witness to what is being shared. It says, you shall not follow a crowd to do evil. I know this ought too well. We tend to follow the crowd. We tend to want to be a part of the many. 
we see uh, uh, something taking place. You know, I remember being in high school. I remember when you had all the cool kids in one place and they were just picking on the other kid over there. And you're just like, do, do, I, pick, do I really pick that side? Like, am I really, I'm, am I going to have to go up against the 15 dudes that are on the football team and they've got the cheerleaders over there? Am I, do I really, but you know what's right. But how hard is it that you find yourself just being turned over to this crowd, going after the crowd? It says, do not follow the crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice, to go with the many, to pervert justice, to do wrong what should be done right, to be a part of of, of what God is, is doing here is he, he's saying you, the wicked are coming and they want to take down the poor. They want to take down the needy. They, they want to, this innocent, righteous person, they want to take them down. And now you're going to be a part of this false report. You're going to be in this witnessing, this evil witnessing. And, and now you find yourself perverting justice. It's not right. And the first thing I, I see here is we're to actually stand on God's truth. Just because there's a lot of them, it doesn't always mean that it's right. It's also very important that when you're in these situations, when, when things are being brought, you're supposed to be hearing God's voice. Go to your word. Be driven back to your word. Find it. Lord, speak to me. I'm, 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 I'm sitting. I have this news. And I'm a part of this dispute. Something's taking place and I'm being involved. Lord, would you help me? Would you help me see the truth? As I am yours, Lord, would you allow me and have me stand on the truth? Because it is the truth that we know that sets you free. And we also know that everything is going to pass away and the word is going to endure forever. Why wouldn't we want to find ourselves being a part of that? When we can be a part of the crowd, we can be a part of the many. We can be what is easy when you don't have to go up against your own flesh and, and those around you who are pressing in wrongly. But you can find yourself standing on the truth. Finding it in God's word and saying, you know what? I don't know what's going to come out of this. I don't know what it's going to mean for me to stand on this truth and say, you know what? That's not right. I don't know the outcome. Probably from day to day as we kind of go on, it's not going to be good. But as I stand with God, it's going to be great. It kind of comes down to, are you going to fear man or are you going to fear God? Because if you fear man, you're going to go with the crowd and, and they're going to be, hey, hey, this is what it is. This is what it is. You've got to go with it. Got to go. This is the report. This is what we're going to be with. Are you in? Or are you out? And you're just, <laughs> I, uh, um, uh, see, I'm an internal processor. I would have to say, I need to go think about that. I can't just start talking out loud. I'll get myself in trouble. And so I, so please, and as he spoke to me, Jordan, would you, as, I, as you are mine, Lord, as I am yours, may I stand on your truth. No matter what, no matter what, no matter what. In verse 3, it says, You shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. Now, this is kind of an interesting verse. Um, it really could go either way because that word partiality in the Hebrew means honor. And so if we're not showing honor to a poor man in his dispute, it could go one of two ways. It could either be that just because they're poor, just because they're needy, it doesn't mean you have to let your heart be won over to them. Justice is justice. Truth is truth. And we're supposed to stand on that. And, and, but, and we're gonna, there's another verse that's kind of back and forth, but you're also not supposed to, just because he's poor, not give him rightful justice. Not, not give him rightful judgment. In verse 4 it says, If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. If you see the donkey of the man who hates you lying under its burden and you would refrain from helping it, you actually shall surely help him with it. Okay. Lord, as I am yours, as I am yours. Okay, let's try this again. If I meet my enemy's ox, my enemy. So an enemy, we know what an enemy is. It's someone who's coming up against you. So you're telling me if I, if I headlong into my enemy's ox and he's going away, going astray, I have to bring it back. So I can't just be like, oh, that's my enemy's ox, donkey. Hey, oh, oh, oops. Sorry. 
you're out of an ox and a donkey. I know there's been times in my life where it's just like, that would be so good. Like, that would feel right. Like, wow, thank you, Lord. Justice has been won. Like, you finally got back. You finally delivered. You finally made it right. You allowed me to be even a part of ushering this donkey onward so this man can feel a loss. But I love it. I really do. You go to uh, Matthew chapter 5. I'll turn there. Starting in verse 43, this is Jesus speaking. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Love your enemies. Bless them who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Lord, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem... Oh, I have been wronged. I, I know I have, I have tasted wickedness done unto me. I, evil. Evil being repaid. Good, like, just this is not okay. And, I've, and it's broken my heart. And Lord, you would ask me as I am yours to love these people. To not only love them, but to help them. To not only help them, but to, to be there for them. It says in the Proverbs that if you, if you feed the ones who hate you, if you feed them when they're hungry and if you give them water when they are thirsty, you're dumping hot coals on their head. It's, it's, it's how we are to bring them an understanding of the Lord's love so that they too might. See, I, we were in a meeting today and I loved it. A common theme that kept coming up was, who really is your enemy? Is it really man? Is man really your enemy? Is someone out there really your enemy? No. Our enemy is not man, it's the devil. It's Satan. He's our enemy. He's the one that comes to just completely kill and destroy. And so here we are. We're not to just repay evil for evil. We're supposed to look at these people and just be burdened for them as Jesus was. He came to save those who were near and those who were far off. Jesus, as I am yours, help me to love my enemy. Not Satan in that matter, but those who are controlled by him, those who are lost because of him. Help me to love my enemy, Lord, as I am yours. It's hard. Verse 6, it says, You shall not pervert the judgment of your poor in his dispute. So we have this verse, You shall not pervert the judgment. It could go either way. You, 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 just because they're poor, you're not to swindle the judgment, make it a little easier, but you're also not supposed to just lay it on to them because you think they're nothing. I love this idea of poor because it says, on the front, Jesus is speaking and he's saying, actually, it's the poor who are going, it's the spiritual poor that's going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Like, how beautiful. Like, here's the craziest thing. We're all poor. Some of us look into our bank account and you would think you're poorer than others, but that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, you have nothing. You have nothing without me. But with me, you have everything. And so when you see someone who's poor, when you see someone who's broken, would you make sure that rightful judgment takes place? Would you make sure that no perverted justice would fall on his lap? Verse 7, keep yourself far from a false matter. Okay, far not flirting with it, not up close, not questioning, not curious, but far from a false matter. Once you know that it's false, may you be far away from it. And do not kill the innocent and the righteous. And that's, that's the outcome. That is the outcome. When you do circulate a false report, that is the outcome. You are killing, you are murdering, you are putting down the innocent and the righteous. And it's sad, and it's sad to watch, and it's sad to, to know but here's, the, here's, the, here's where you need to be encouraged. As much as innocent and righteousness can be destroyed by wickedness, we always know that God is bigger and greater than that. 
So if you find in yourself in a place where, where wickedness is just prevalent and it's overwhelming and, and it seems to be cutting away, it seems to be destroying, it does remind me of David and how he had to battle between, you know, was God, are you, are you trying to help me by not letting my concubines be taken by my son or are you, are you with me because you're going to save my life? You see, sometimes God lets these things happen, and you're like, God, where are you? Why are you letting this happen? But really, he is bigger than that. And he really is going to allow all things that are good work out for those who love him. So be encouraged. Be encouraged that if you feel that you are being wrongly treated or not being, it's not fair, know that God is bigger than that. And know that if you're a part of that false report, if you're a part of joining hands with the wicked, you're really destroying a beautiful thing that God set forth, his innocent and his righteous. For I will not justify the wicked. I, I will not I will not justify there will I will not find right in their wrong. Verse eight and you shall take no bribe. For a bribe blinds the discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. It's interesting today, again, we, we heard a story about bribing in Africa. Um, three young girls, I believe it was, were mistreated. And it ended up going to the court system. And sadly, in third world countries, bribing is just a way of life. You, you slip them something, they turn, they turn and look away. But when you take that bribe, you are now agreeing to look away no matter what's taking place. It literally will. It blinds the discernment. It, it, you are no longer able to contribute to discerning. You've already bought in. You've been bought out. You've been paid off. Hey, here you go. If you take this, you are no longer able to be involved in what's taking place here. And so you take it blinds the discerning. And it perverts the words of the righteous. You're not even able to speak on behalf because you've already allowed the wickedness to come forth. Verse 9, I love this. And you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. God's speaking. Listen, you're going to come across strangers. And in that word oppress, it means to squeeze. It means to press. It means to just all out, just ring out. And he's saying, you, you know the heart of a stranger. You were one. Why would you find yourself in that same position of squeezing out, of pressing down, making feel worthless, making feel that you're not welcome, making feel that you're not needed, making feel that, that there's, there's bondage and, and a slavery that should have never been. And he says, you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You were in chains. You were slaves. You were squeezed. And I wrote down uh, Ephesians 2.11. It says this, Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the hands made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without Christ being aliens or strangers from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise having no hope without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ we are strangers I love that we have been invited by the Father to have a relationship with Him. Without that, we don't have it. We don't, we aren't able to get into it. We're not, we're not able to perform well enough. Our good deeds are like filthy rags. We're not, unless He's inviting us, saying, I'm calling you. I'm calling you by name. We're not able to enter into a relationship with Him. And so he, he looks out and he says, you're strangers, you're in bondage, this world has a grip on you. It's the drugs, it's the pride, it's the, it's the righteousness that's not real. You're a stranger to me. Would you come? I'm inviting you. Come on in. Through the blood of my son, would you come on in? 
And now that we've been invited in, you, you've heard the little story that there was a boat out in the ocean. It crashed. A man was on the beach and was like, oh my gosh, these people are drowning. And so he goes out and he jumps into the lake, starts swimming out, grabs some people, brings them to shore. And it's just like, okay, you've got to save them. You've got to bring them back to life. Bring them back to life. They're back to life. They need, they're, they're cold. Okay, so he takes a couple boards, puts them together, puts them under the boards, kind of helping them get a little bit warmer. And so now they're all better, and another boat crashes out there. I mean, this must have been a killer ocean, because all these boats seem to be crashing. People probably shouldn't be swimming out there, driving their boats. But now as a team, they go out, they bring them back. And now that there's more, they can grab more wood, better wood, and they start building a better place. And now they've got a bigger place. More people need rescuing. They're bringing them, they're helping them get healthy, get healthy. And then they start laying carpet down because, of course, they want their feet to be cushioned. I'm wearing some ultra-cush vans that are amazing. If you want to buy some, you can. But I can understand why they'd want to put down carpet. It's nice. And, but now that they're coming in from the shore, they're getting our carpet all dirty. And it's like, I don't know about you, homie, uh, if you get all cleaned up and washed off. You see, we were once strangers. And somewhere along the way, we, we, we grab hold of this entitlement of, of that's not ours. And we look at others and we squeeze them and we press them. And that's just not right. Think of the Good Samaritan. The man's on the side of the road. Who is, our, who, is our, who is the one who will take care of the stranger? It's those who have been taken care of. We have been taken care of. We've been brought in. So now, as I am yours, Lord, would I be a, would I be a helpful neighbor would I be a friend? Would I share the love that you've shared with me? Would you, would you allow me to help those since I've been helped? Verse 10. Six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. And in the like manner you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. So he's saying, okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to set this up. Every six years, go to town. Go to town on your, on your farming land. Go to town on your vineyard, on your groves. Just have at it. But on the seventh year, you have to stop. You just stop. And let the poor come out and eat. That's just what naturally grows. And when they're all finished, let your beast eat. This was really the only nation that was ever asked to do this. You would think about it. And they were probably, and actually, because they kept working on the seventh year, it is actually what ended up bringing them into captivity with the Babylonian people. It's what God said. He's like, you keep going against what I'm asking you to do. And it actually ended grafting them into uh, captivity with the Babylonians. And I could only imagine, it's just like, okay, so I've worked six years, I'm, I'm, I'm successful, I see the Lord's provision, this is a good thing. Why would we ever want to stop? Why would we ever want to stop doing what we're doing, putting our hands to this plow? I see it being beneficial, I see it being good. You know, we who partake in a day's, could you imagine taking a year off? Could you imagine? I know I have an annual budget, sort of. I have a monthly budget that over 12 months becomes an annual budget. But I look at that, and six years, it makes sense. Six years, okay, I can do that. But if I had to stop working and not receive on that, it would be very interesting, right, Meg? Like, yeah, you get kind of interesting. <laughs> Hopefully, we did a good job, like, doing something with savings or something, and, you know, really were good stewards of what was being given. But on that seventh year, no more. The Jews did this really interesting thing. They would only work six-sevenths of their fields, and so that it was like they never had to stop. But what I see is a lack of trust. God asked them, lay it down for a year. Just put it away. And for us, as I am yours, may we trust the Lord. Because he continues to provide situations and circumstances like this. We don't live by the Sabbath law of having to work and rest on the seventh year. But we do see Paul. We do see Paul trying to make it to Rome. And he just, the Lord kept putting things in his life where he has to trust God. You see Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane having to trust God. He continues to have us trust him. 
And how much would it be for them to lay off an entire year to trust Him? So as I am yours, Lord, would you give me what it takes to trust you through and through? Look up, lean not on my understanding, but acknowledge you in all of my ways that you're going to direct my past. Lord, cause in me to trust you. And when you bring me through the hardships, when you bring me in the confusing, this is where you want me to go, this is how you want me to, when you bring these things, Lord, may I trust you because you're bigger than anything that could ever cause hardship. And then the next part, six days you shall work, and on the seventh day you shall rest, and your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed. So it's the second part of the Sabbath law that he was throwing out there, is that you work six days and you rest on the seventh. Um, That's still to be considered. When we think of Sabbath, it's laid out beautifully in Hebrews 4. For me, it's a rest. It's to take your hands and your eyes off of the stuff on the things, and truly come before Him. And there's a lot of controversy on the Sabbath. It's one of those things. But it's interesting. I believe it's in Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 16. It says that this is one of the things you shall not judge. It's the Sabbath. You shall not judge what people eat or drink, what kind of ceremonies they partake in, the new moon or the Sabbath. And so we have to be very careful when you, have to, when you come up with your own way of Sabbath when your own way of rest, with your own time of sitting before the Lord and truly just letting all of the world just kind of settle down and you're sitting in that presence, just like we, Jesus, draw me close to you. Draw me close to you. That's, that's between you and the Lord, and we're supposed to have that time. We're supposed, and in the Hebrew, it means to cease, to stop. So as I am yours, Lord, would you cause me to trust and would you cause me to rest? Moving on, kind of quickly, verse 14. um, Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. This word feast also means celebration. So he's asking them, I'm going to ask you to have three celebrations. Just, you're going to have more, you'll come up, but I'm asking you to keep these, to hold fast to these. There's three of them a year. You shall keep the feast of the unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Abib. For, it, for in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty. So this unleavened, it's also we know it as the Passover, the feast of the Passover. And we know that it's, it's clear here that when they, they should reflect and they should remember this feast of, of coming, of, of not having anything that's leavened. And that leaven, we know, is 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 a is a understanding of of um, sin, and so it's the seven days of just partaking in this righteous act of salvation that came through the blood of a lamb, and that it should be this righteous thing and a celebration of this salvation. Come to me and and do do not forsake this feast, but is for seven days that you shall remember that I brought you out of the land of Egypt through the blood of this lamb through the Passover. And that's for us too. I mean, how cool. Remembering salvation. It's not once a year. It's, it's, that can be every day. Remembering the salvation through the blood of the lamb. And the next one is, and the feast of the harvest, the first fruits of your labor, which you have sown in the field. This here is also known as Pentecost. It takes place in the summer. And what they would do during this harvest, and when the first little wheat bud would pop up, they would take it and they'd wave it, saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for what you're, you're going to be bringing. And we know that when the Pentecost took place in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit fell, and it was this first fruit, this, this beginning harvest of His church. And He was the first. Jesus was the first fruit. He was the first to go. Fifty days later, after the Passover, we have Pentecost. And now we have this birth, this new beginning of the church. And how we can too remember that. Our new beginnings, our first fruits, new revival, being brand new. Remembering the harvest. Remembering that He's a a faithful God to deliver newness. Even after a time of like winter and and sowing and, and trusting. And now you have the harvest. And the last one, a feast of ingathering. At the end of the year, when you have gathered 
in the fruit of your labors from the field. So this is now the time where it's all said and done. You've gathered, gathered everything together. And it's also the feast of the tabernacle or tents or booths. And for them, it was remembering the wilderness. It was remembering everything the Lord brought them through. And so they literally would go out because in that time of the wilderness, they would go out and they would set up and not all they had were tents and in booths. So in this time of remembering, they would literally go back to the tents and the booths and they would, they would be able to remember and celebrate everything that he had done, everything that he had given them, brought them through, sanctifying them. And for us, remembering, Lord, as I'm with you, would you have me remember? Would you have me remember these things, such as the salvation, first fruits, and all of what you've done in my life. Lord, would you, as, as your child, would you cause me to remember? Because how important it is to look back on our own testimony and say, thank you. Wow, God. Wow. Thank you. And now, in verse 12, it says, Three times in the year your male shall appear before God. So he's just reiterating that. It's going to be three times. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread. So he's saying, it, it, what the offering that is to be brought, it should not be brought with sin. It should be a righteous, pure sacrifice that is brought. Nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. So when it's on the altar and it's burning, you shouldn't leave anything because he says, when my sacrifice is made, it's done. There is no leftover. It's complete. The atonement has been made. It's all said and done. There should be no fat leaning, uh, being remained until the next morning. Verse 19, it says, The first of the first fruits of your land shall, be, shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. First of the first fruits, our best. I look at this section, all, I, I just see we, it should be our best. It should, we should be bringing what he first gives us. And that does include the tithe and the offering. It's, it is the first of our, but, but even more, just our spiritual fruit, Lord, just giving back what he's given to us. And in this last part, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Um, this was a very heathenistic thing to do. They would literally take a kid, a baby goat, and boil it in its mother's milk. And it would be this thankfulness of what you've given me, whoever you is, and hopefully we'll have a better crop next year. It's just, he's just saying, don't partake in these heathenistic ways. Don't partake in this worship that's not of me. And that's kind of where we start, that's where we're going to wrap up, is he now is going to go into, okay, so I'm going to bring you into a land. I'm going to guide you, I'm going to direct you, and I really am going to stress, be with me, don't be with them. Be with me, don't be with them. Verse 20, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep, to keep you in the way and to bring you into a place which I have prepared. So now he's saying to these, to these men, listen, I'm going to send an angel. And in my, my book here, it's a capital A. We do know this to be um, the angel of the Lord. It's, 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 it's Jesus. And he's being sent before. The angel is being sent before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. I think of the verse, the plans that I have for you. It's to prosper. It's good. Like, I have sent you my Son, and I've sent you now my Holy Spirit to help you, to keep you in the way. And we know the way, the way of right, the, 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 the way where you're not looking over at the false reports. You're truly staying true to the truth, and, and you're simply relying on faith that He's given you. You're, you're, he said, I've sent before you this I've given you what you need so you can stay here. You don't have to do it on your own. You're not alone. You're going to be going up against some crazy giants, some crazy hills, some crazy pillars, some crazy... And you're not alone. And for me, I'm like, wow, thanks. Because when you're alone, you don't stand a chance. You get caught up. It says in verse 21, Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in his name. Beware of him, fear him, and obey him. I love Psalm, uh, Psalm 19. It says, For the eyes of the Lord to be upon you, you shall fear him and hope in his steadfast love. For his eyes to be upon us, 
All we simply have to do is to fear Him, to acknowledge Him, to respect Him, to know that He is Almighty God, and to also just hope in His steadfast love. I was talking to a brother, and we were, we were just talking about how in the world you have to do so much for the eyes of someone to be on you. You have to be performing. You have to be doing this, 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 this. You have to be that. You, you have to succeed. You have to be victorious. But for the Lord's eyes to be upon you, which is the most important eyes, is you just fear Him. You understand that He is God. I heard Chuck Smith put it this way. The fear of the Lord is not that He might hurt me, but that I might hurt Him. It's interesting, I think, of any friend that I have. I love them. And I know, I know what makes them tick. I know, I know what they appreciate. I know what they consider. I know, I know what they love, just like we know what God loves. We know what He hates. We know that what displeases Him, what upsets Him, what breaks His heart. So as a friend, wouldn't we want to be invested in such a way where you're learning who He is to know? And that's a, that's a healthy fear. I want to know you. I want to know who you are so I stay true to, to being a blessing, to, to, to remain in the way and that you may bring me into the land of which you prepared. Verse 21, we went over. Verse 22, it says, But if indeed you obey his voice and do all that I speak, so obey, listening to that still small voice, and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemy and an ad- adversary to your adversaries. I, before I came up here, I, I was pondering as Katie was praying, um, as if there's something that the Lord is bringing out. And for me, it's, I so often know that he's, he's leading me in a way and, and sharing things with me and, ask, and prompting my heart and, and asking me to, to be a part of something or to have an action or to speak on behalf of something. And so many times I shy back because of fear. But what am I fearing? When I, when I do obey his voice and I do do all that he speaks, he has now become an enemy to my enemies. And he's becoming an adversary to my adversary. So if that's you tonight, where you find yourself when he's speaking to you and there's just something within you that's stopping you because you're afraid, maybe receive it like Joshua did and be courageous. Go after it. Know that he is God. He's with us and it's going to be okay. Look at, if we do what he says and we obey his voice, he's going to be an enemy to our enemies. That's a good thing. He's going to be an adversary to our adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and I will cut them off. I'll cut them off. All of these things in the world that you're going to come up against, everything that could entangle you and be a snare in your life that causes bondage, listen to me. If you follow me, I will cut them off. I will make sure that they do not have a way in your life. But in verse 24, you shall not bow down to these things. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor shall you serve them, nor do according to their works. But you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. That encourages me. I think of just the pillars that stand for these gods, that they just go crashing down. These pillars are monuments. They were there to represent. They were there to, 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 to present themselves. And, and sometimes we find ourselves in places where we're staring at those pillars and, and they stand as monuments. They stand as things we look to and that we bow down to. And this could be anything that the world offers. Greed. Pride. Trying to work out your way. The sex, drugs, and rock and roll. All of these things that present themselves as false. They present themselves as true, but they're so false. They leave you so empty. And God's saying right now, I'm going to send an angel before you. Listen, I'm going to send an angel before you. These pillars in their life that stand so tall, that cause so much heartache, that cause so much fear, that cripple you from just obeying and walking, I can have them fall down. We can become an overcomer. As God's people, we can become an overcomer. We can be overcomers of these things. He goes on to say, So you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you, 
No one shall suffer miscarriage or be burdened in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I look at that section and I know it's not today. I know that as these, as these Israelites heard this and that this could be so, here's the great thing, it could have been so. But you start getting into 1 Kings and 2 Kings and you see how much idolatry they have in their lives. You see how they're worshiping other gods. They're taking God and pushing everything that He's taught them away from them. Which is beautiful in the sense of this. In verse 13, it says, In, in all that I have said to you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. Listen, He says, Listen, everything I've said to you, would you consider? Would, you, would, it, would it be circumspect? Would you consider it? And then he goes on and says, Make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard out of your mouth. I thought about that. I was like, it's just a name. You're just speaking it. What's so wrong about speaking it? Well, when you start to speak it, it's because it's on your mind. When something's on your mind, you're entertaining it. I have this, I have this appreciation for the UFC. Don't know why. But I, I enjoy it. I don't know why. But like, I'll catch myself watching videos, which is fine. But then, like later in the week, I find myself like start going like I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why did I just do that? I'm shadow boxing myself right now. Like, why did I do that? And you think about it. It's because I'm 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 putting it in my mind. Jesus says that adultery isn't just adultery. Adultery is when you lust after a woman in your heart. Murder isn't murder. It's when you hate someone in your heart. It doesn't have to be the manifestation. He's saying, have it not be on your tongue. Don't let it come out of your mouth, because if it is, it's very close to the manifestation of worship. It doesn't, you have to now really be disciplined to shut it off at that point, because it will make its way outward. But I can overthrow that. And you think of verses, this verse 25 and 26, like, we have, we have that to look forward to. He really will bless our bread and our water. And He really can take away sickness from the midst of you. And we really won't suffer miscarriage and be barren, but be fulfilled. In, like, we really do have that in the Lord if we are true to, to, to just staying with Him. And ultimately, there, there is going to be a heaven that is just going to be amazing. And we don't have to worry about that. But He will guide us into that as well. Verse 27, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come. And will make your enemies turn their backs. They will literally run. I will send my fear out before you. If you simply serve me, if you simply acknowledge me and listen to my voice, I will send my fear out and they will be running. They will be running. And I will send my hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you. I love this so much. He's saying, I'm going to send my hornet. I'm going to send my fear, my hornets. They're going, to be, they're going to be wiped out. But here's the thing. I'm not going to just take them out in one year. I'm not just going to take it. I'm just not going to rid you of it. But little by little. I'm like, Lord, there are just so many things that I wish you would just take now. Like, why can't you just take them now? Like, why, one, year sounds, one year sounds like a long time, actually. Like, why little by little? And he says, I don't, want you to, I don't want it to become desolate and that you're just way outnumbered by all these beasts. I don't want you to be in a position where you stop relying on me. I don't want you to just be free of all of, all of these these. These, this world and these burdens, I, I, I'm going to, little by little, allow you, it says, until you have increased and you inherit the land. I'm going to get you there, but you need to trust me. And so for us in the room today, where you're, you have that, and you're like, Lord, would you take this? Here's the best news you could ever hear. He is. He is taking it. Little by little, He is taking it. How encouraging. I grew. I was 15 years old and uh, was betrayed by my friend and my first girlfriend, and I was just hurt so badly that it just started bleeding. It was a lie that was implanted, and it started bleeding all the way. Now, even in becoming a Christian, now walking a few years and into my new relationship with my soon-to-be wife and my best friend, and I'm just like, 
Lord, this is, this is killing me. This is, this is, why wouldn't you take this, this lie that everyone says is a lie? I know it's a lie, but it's not leaving. I want it to leave. I know it should leave, but here it is. And I was, I was, the other day, I was laying in my bed and I was just like, it's gone. It's gone. And I was just like, little by little, Lord, how faithful are you? You see the parasites, you see the enemy, you see the world, you see the bondage, you see the change, you see them, you know them, and it breaks your heart. And little by little, as we listen to his still small voice, as we continue to walk to him, as we know that we are his, little by little, he will have us inherit the land. We will have the fullness. And he says even, and I will set the bounds from the Red Sea to the Sea Philistia and from the desert to the river. I'm going to give you, if you look at a map of, of in the back of your Bible, maybe you'll see it's the whole thing. I'm going to give you the whole thing. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land lest, you, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. For if you serve their gods, if you buy into the world, if you are tempted and you just walk that line, and I know we all found ourselves to some degree, but it will, as we do know, be a snare to you. It will be a snare. Where once it could just be pillars that have fallen and little by little you become an overcomer, it is now a snare and you're continuing to drag on. He wants us to be free. Lord, as I am yours, you want us to be free. And I love this. Romans 14.8 For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Lord, as I am yours, may I be yours. May I be yours. May I experience your goodness. May, when I'm going through the shadow of, the de- of death, may I fear no evil. May I continue on knowing that you are so good. So as I am yours, let's stand on the truth. Let's stand on it, be, be tellers of it, convicted and lovers of the truth. Let's love our enemies. Let's trust. Let's rest. Let us remember, let us overcome, and let us be free. And this is all found in Jesus. And here he is sharing it with us to judges in the Old Testament that he has an amazing plan, and he wants us to know him and what he has for us, and it's going to be, it's going to be good. So, we'll pray. Close in a song. And truly, may the Lord minister to you and encourage you that he is so good. And He's so with us. And we are His. And it brings so much that we've never had. So rest. Be at peace. That knowing that, that He really wants you to be an overcomer and be free. And to live for Him and to die for Him. Thank you for joining us for this study through the book of Exodus this evening. If you would like more information about Sela Fellowship, please visit us on the web at salafellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.